What's going on, man? Hey, happy Friday. Happy Friday. So uh, just quickly before we get started, we are sponsored by HD Ships, uh, one of the premier agent programs out there. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're happy for their sponsorship. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a fun show today. We have Sarah, uh, Blythe, uh, Grace, uh, Whitney, and then Samantha is going to be coming in, I think, in about 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, we're just going to touch on a you know, wide variety of topics, podcasting, um, yeah, wherever else uh, conversation goes. And yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Let's kick it off. I mean, we got a lot of guests, a lot to get through in a short time. So, yeah, let's do it. How's everybody doing? Happy Friday, everyone. Hey, happy Friday. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, coming on. We're uh, we've been excited to do this show, and um, glad we could all work it out uh, logistically. I thought that'd be uh, difficult, but we uh, <laughs> we had it done. So, thanks again for coming. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. thank you for the invite. Yeah, likewise. So I guess to start, you guys want to all just uh, you know give us a brief background of you know what you do, how you got into logistics, and yes, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure, you want me to start? Uh, yeah, whoever wants to start. <laughs> okay. Um, so Sarah Barnes Humphrey, founder and host of Let's Talk Supply Chain, uh, founder and host of the Blended Podcast, and founder of the Blended Pledge as well. I've been in logistics and supply chain for about 25 years. I started off my career as reception at my dad's 3PL business, and I worked in operations and sales, was uh, director of sales and marketing, and that's where I kicked off the podcast in 2016. Oh, nice. That's a fun way to start. Start at your dad's company and uh, you know work into podcasting. That's a that's a cool uh, way to get in. Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, supply chain media wasn't even a thing back in 2016. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Whitney, what got you into logistics? Yeah, so I I started in the supply chain in 2016. Um, I was on the carrier side, specifically in the financial space. So uh, very different than where I am now, but it, it's been fun. I've now seen the carrier financials, the media and events side, and now the brokerage. And so I feel like I've had quite a, a spread of <laughs> experiences to choose from. I mean, where would you say you were happiest? Carrier side, brokerage side? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love what I do now, but I, I really enjoy the carrier end and, and talking to them day in and day out. I think the nuances are a little bit more subtle, so it's it's fun and a bit more challenging, but I love where I am. Alex, I was telling Whitney that you uh, booked a load with KCH yesterday. <laughs> you did. Yeah, I needed that load, actually. My truck will be at that pickup in like two hours, so thank you guys. <laughs> Shout out KCH for saving my day there. Uh, Blythe or Grace, you guys want to go uh, next? Yeah, um, I got my start, I think, in 2009. I was working as an executive assistant at an asset-based uh, 3PL here in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, worked with them for a handful of years. That's where I really got started with uh, inbound marketing. Um, and that sort of led me into the career I have today, which is inbound marketing-focused content uh, and also you know, focused on you know, building websites with digital dispatch and managing them and then host of Everything is Logistics podcast. How long you've been doing uh, your podcast for a couple of years now, right? It's three, uh, so I, I've actually been a podcaster since 2014. So back in my radio days, which radio does not um, pay very well, great experience, but does not pay very well. Um, so I used to take the show from uh, the radio side of things and then edit out the commercials, the local commercials, and then upload that as a podcast uh, to my podcast feed. Um, it wasn't until I started Digital Dispatch that I launched the Digital Dispatch podcast in order to talk to my customers, but that ended up doing really well, much, uh, much more better than uh, the Digital Dispatch side of the business things. Um, so for the past uh, little over a year, the show has been fully independent, sponsor supported, um, and we drop two episodes every week. Nice. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll be able to pick your brain after the show about that Digital Dispatch thing. Heck yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's a segue into Grace. You're doing the radio currently. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I, I am the radio. No, yeah. I uh, So I do host the Freightwave Sirius XM show Monday through Friday on uh, the Road Dog Trucking Channel, which is a blast. I mean, it's it's really funny because it's really full circle. I used to listen to the show uh, 
the exact same like time slot, everything back when I was in brokerage. So I, I graduated from Michigan State and uh, I was a founding team of a brokerage in Michigan, helped build that up to about $80 million and about 100 employees and uh, left there with like strategy roles. I really did everything. I, I kind of started as an account manager. And then, you know, as we added more people, started to, to do operations and then uh, get to the strategy side of things. So it's it's really helpful in, in the writing and the work that I do on the radio to kind of like know exactly like what's happening in the accounting side, right? And and how to talk to technology providers and, and what brokerages need to need to focus on and with margins falling and in the industry becoming what it is. So that's kind of my background and yeah, ended up at, at Freight Waves uh, at some point because I I was a big fan of Freight Waves. I watched it grow uh, from that little blog to, I remember the day they had like GoPros on their head and I was like, this is hilarious and I love this. And uh, I knew a couple people over there when I started consulting and uh, and I, I wanted to write Freight Tech from a viewpoint of someone who actually has used Freight Tech, not to say that you can't write about it and not use it, but I could tell who has booked a load in the past and who hasn't in some of the writings. So uh, yeah, that's where my passion came from. And I just uh, love being a part of this like little group of pirates we got going on over here. Uh, oh, fantastic. I know several people at Freightways and I don't think I've heard a negative thing from anyone who's worked there or currently works there. Um, how did you guys uh, you know, get started in podcasting? What were some of the you know struggles at first starting? Or so I get some messages occasionally from you know both women and guys, you know, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, but I don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. How do I how do I do this? I mean, what would be you know how you guys got started and maybe what were some of the you know struggles if you guys wanted to uh, touch on that? Any of you? That's a whole show topic right yeah. there. Blythe or Sarah or even Whitney should take this because I've been fortunate enough to walk into like a situation with a full production team <laughs> and like and, and cameras and all that stuff. So it's, it's like, cushy. Yeah, it's very cushy. And so that's why I always like praise Blythe because I'm like, what's uh, the tech that you're using? I just show up. And I think I will say, though, the one thing I learned like going into it is especially for like the content that we are constantly pushing out is you always have to kind of like be a couple weeks ahead of like who your guests are. And, and it's, it's not something that you can just kind of show up today and, and wing. There has been radio times where I've done that when people dropped <laughs> off, but still uh, it's, it takes more planning. I think than people expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I would definitely say um, as far as like people who are getting started, I think they see a lot of us who have been doing it for years and they think that they should immediately have exactly what we have when they don't see the little nuances of the little tweaks and the little things that we've done over the years to get better. It's very much akin to uh, an, an athlete studying film of themselves. And so where are you messing up? Where are you, you know, sort of blabbling on? Um, where are you, it, what tweaks, what kind of camera, what kind of lighting, what kind of microphone, you know, all of those things that, that go into play before you ever have a conversation with someone. And then there's the intricacy of having a conversation with someone, trying not to over-prepare, but also prepare, uh, you know, being able to lead the discussion, sort of interrupt them when they're, they're kind of going on for too long. What does the social media distribution look like? So there are a lot of things. And I say all of that is, it, it is a craft that you have to respect but don't let you know sort of the fear of perfection or the fear of equipment hold you back from getting started because you will if you do care you genuinely care you will get better at those little things every day yeah I would totally agree with you on that like just get started some of my most listened to episodes have the worst audio ever <laughs> and like they have the biggest numbers and I'm like I'm not entirely sure how this happened I think the other thing that I would say is like consistency is key Right. So if you're going to say that I'm going to do an episode once a week, but then six months from now, you're not going to be able to um, keep that consistency going. You have to be very realistic on how you're going to show up and when you're going to show up and keep that consistency going. Some people are like, I'm going to do an episode every day. And then six months from now, they're like, mm, probably not the best idea. I would have guessed. What do we do now? <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're sort I, of like us. You're just getting getting into the space somewhat, right? I am. Well, and I got to say, I asked a lot of people a lot of things. Poor Blythe has <laughs> mentored me through some of the dumbest questions. Um, not dumb, not dumb. No dumb questions. But I, I will say, you know, to Sarah's point, you know, some things have happened. I planned almost too far in advance for some of my stuff, and some of my guests have changed where they are. So I have a few blank spots now in my schedule because I filmed most of season one, which was January, February, March in December. Um, and so we've, I've seen some hiccups already in, in how I've approached some of my technology, but also in how I've approached my scheduling. So that was a really big lesson to learn. Um, and that's just me. I like to be in advance ahead of the schedule. That's how I run my marketing team is a quarter in advance. Turns out that's not the best way for me to run my podcast. <laughs> What's that's dedication a, a quarter, uh, a quarter in advance, but yeah, I can see how that, you know, maybe people would, you know, drop off or I, I guess speaking of, you know, guests, um, cause I was talking to Dooner about this and he was saying how many promo, you know, emails he gets from marketing teams and assistants, <laughs> like his whole email is full. And obviously he's a massive podcaster. Um, you know, is that hard balance for you guys too? You know, obviously when people see someone start a podcast, they, you know, sometimes want to get on and self promote their brand, but not that, you know, guests might not be good for your overall show or your overall audience. You know, how has that been, you know, balancing, balancing that for you guys? When I figure it out, I'll let y'all know. Cause I, it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough, especially with the, one of the more recent conferences uh, manifest in, in general. Um, they, you know, it's, it's still a very relatively small podcast community that we have in supply chain and logistics. I think there was only about 60 people that were on that list, but you're talking about thousands of people that are showing up to a conference where there's hundreds of companies that are demoing and they all want to talk to everyone who is in media. And so for a lot of us, I, it felt overwhelming at times. I had to actually develop a backend system in order to just filter through the noise where, you know, everybody is just, it's easy to send an email, but do you actually listen to my show? Do you know my audience? Are you going to be respectful of their time as well? And so that's setting up that filtering process has helped a little. Um, whereas, you know, you're to put it in perspective, you're getting about 60 guest re requests for, you know, any given conference, but you can only really have time to maybe talk to maybe a half a dozen of those. And so being able to pick and choose and, and seeing if those PR reps will actually take it the next step and fill out an educational form of why they think they should be on your show is um, sort of a, a little bit of an unlock for me, because if they didn't have time to fill out, you know, a form that's important to my audience, then I, I that's an easy way to say no to that particular business, unless they're a really big business, then, you know, I get it. Um, so then you, you make some, you make some judgment calls here and there. Yeah, I'm with Blythe on that. I mean, there's there's a lot, especially from Manifest, you know, the sheer number of emails that we were getting was a little bit crazy when we had to prepare for Manifest ourselves, right? Because we were doing all sorts of different things in a variety of different ways. Um, but I think it's also about really respecting what it is that we do, right? There's a lot that goes into it, like Blythe was talking about a little bit earlier. You know, there's social media, there's editing, there is, you know, graphics, there's design, there's preparing, there's scripts, like there's all sorts of things that go into an episode, uh, depending on whether you have a team, you don't have a team that you got to consider from our standpoint. And so just pitching somebody to be on the show, you know, what is sort of the opportunity for us as well? Yeah, I think like one of my pet peeves, like and I have laughed about this a lot, is a lot of times people will reach out to be on the show and then you might, because of their title where they work, you're interested in it and they come back and say, well, what do you want to talk about? It's like, well, well uh, that too. <laughs> I, you know, like you came here to talk to, what would you, and it's, you know, I, I will easily kind of work with those uh, sometimes here at Freightways, but especially, yeah, when you're dealing with big conferences or 
or a editorial calendar and you're trying to fit certain things in like uh, what's the message that you're bringing what's the story that we're telling it's it's not i can't just you know i i don't have all this time to research your company and also bring you on like it should be a little bit of of back and forth now there's also the opposite of that where sometimes people want um, I laugh at, at the, sometimes there's people that want like an hour of prep for a 30 minute conversation. And, and that's, and that's also unauthentic from my point of view, because I like to get individuals who are passionate about their job. I always kind of joke. It's, it's funny to me sometimes when I get like a CEO who, who needs time to prep about their business, who I know has worked there for like five years. It's like, no, like, let's just talk about like what you're working on and, and your stresses and authentically what you think about this industry because you're leading a company. I would hope that you could have those con that conversation organically. And, and so that's, I think the tough part is I really try to, especially at freight waves, you know, I kind of deal with that back and forth is like, yes, let's talk about your business, but let's also talk about you and why, how these two organically fit together. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of a tough thing that takes time to, to figure out uh, as well. Yeah, I almost think that what you're touching on is media training. Yeah. yeah. Right? They kind of expect us to help with media training and prep for that. And that's not necessarily, you know, what we do or maybe even have time for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a conversation where mics have to just happen to be there. And that's the way I think a lot of executives need to think about it is where you don't typically send questions in advance. This is a conversation, not a dissertation. Yeah. Was it was yeah. it hard at first, you know, telling people no? Um, I mean, obviously, with Manifest, for example, you guys are just talking how many requests you get and people reaching out. I mean, just guiding through that process probably, you know, took some time too. For sure. I, I think oh, yeah. it's easy if they didn't fill out the form. If they filled out the form, there to put it in perspective, there was only about <laughs> 10 people that, that filled out a form out of, you know, 60 uh, some odd requests. Um, so that helps me nail it down as to, to who's actually going to respect the time of my audience. Do you guys find too speaking, you know, about audience, like, do you have a you know particular, like, do you guys look into your stats of, you know, what demographic, maybe what job title, you know, watching your show and then you know, put your guests kind of around that um, as your shows have kind of developed? Oh, I, I, I could go. I, I feel like I've, I've talked enough already, but I could go on about this topic. So I'll let somebody else answer first. I well, mean, I, for me, yeah, getting for started, like I, I, I went off of my LinkedIn audience, not just like audience, because I don't have like a huge following, but I have a lot of people that I like message with, right? But they're not engaging mm -hmm. with my content, which is, super frustrating, but that's okay. And so some of the things that people have reached out and, and sent a direct message about, I grab those topics and I break them down into like really hot conversation pieces. And I reached out to guests based off of who they are, what they're intelligent about, the things that I already know they're passionate about. And I started with people that were close to home that I knew I could probably also get some really good, like candid stories from them as well. And that's how I started lining up my content. I'm not quite at the piece, which is very different than where everybody else, you know, in this conversation is at with their podcasting, but I'm not at the place yet where I can evaluate my audience and say, this is my firm following. This is what they enjoy um, on these platforms, streaming my podcast. So instead it's who has followed me in my professional journey so far and what are they really engaged with on their own time and the content that I'm already publishing that's written content? So that's sort of how I approach the topics for mine. And mine is a very casual conversation. And it's not even about marketing half the time, even though it's like a marketing podcast. So that's I wanted to keep it like open ended. So to Grace's point, to keep it authentic, right? Like let's let's talk and if i can get something out of you that you've never said on camera before that's a huge win for me i mean i think yeah. there has to be a certain amount of like personal passion in the industry to even start with podcasting i mean i know a few of your you know leaps and bounds ahead of where we're at but for me the podcast is like just fun to be a part of fun to have these conversations with people and i think if you start getting so serious about like the demographic and who needs to come on i mean there just always has to be like a joy of you doing it in my opinion yeah i almost uh, it's it's interesting because 
I think it also depends on like how you're delivering it, the the content, right? Like my audience for Sirius XM is quite different than the audience I know that reads my articles. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I find myself, Sirius XM is a lot of, of drivers. And I honestly took the show, the time slot over from someone who, whose main content was like driver lifestyles, like, uh, you know, what you're eating, how you're exercising, how to fix your trucks. And so like going into it, I knew, okay, you're kind of, you're, you're delivering more of a business type of, of content. Right. And so I really, you'll, you'll find me sometimes on the radio asking questions that I probably already know. But for example, we were talking about Ancora and activist investors and like, I know what that means, but I also know that my driver audience might not know what that means. So like asking Mike Bowden-Distel at the time, can you explain what that means when an activist investor comes in? Because at the same time too, I know drivers like to play in the stock market. So that way they learn kind of like these business skills, but understanding like I could write activist investor in my writing any single day. And, and most of my audience there would understand it. But if I try to attempt that at the radio, I know I might lose some of my audience as well. So that's what's interesting is like kind of at Freightways is having these different outlets, knowing who you're talking to and how to deliver the same content, but make sure the message hits as well. That you're is active on, on Twitter, right? I mean, I, I didn't really yes. know much about Twitter, but I got on there the last couple months and there's a lot of drivers. I, I think he took over for Kevin Rutherford's spot, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He holds spaces and um, you're a lot more drivers than on, on LinkedIn, for example. So I imagine being yes. big on, Twitter is probably more important than even posting content on LinkedIn for, oh, for you. Whereas our audience so is almost a hundred percent from LinkedIn. So yes, complete opposite type of tweets and, and, and messaging for sure. <laughs> and Grace, almost too opposite to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Grace made a good point about the fact that knowing your audience, but asking people to explain things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we use acronyms in the industry. And not everybody's going to know what that acronym is, right? So understanding that some might know it, some might not, but still asking that question. I think for me, as far as audience, you know, we've got the Woman in Supply Chain series. And so that's focused on, you know, a specific type of audience. Um, then we've got the episodes where we focus on businesses in the industry. So I'm not necessarily too focused on the demographics, but the content that we're bringing, because I know that supply chain professionals are looking to see what solutions are out there. And so we're presenting that on the podcast. And so when I talk about audience, I kind of did it that way. And I did that before I even had, you know, a large audience. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, to echo that statement is thinking about your content and buckets and how you're going to present them. So, you know, a, a big topic, like logistics marketing is a big topic. Uh, cargo crimes, uh, disaster logistics. These are all just sort of my category buckets that I find interesting. And then maybe one or two of them have a monetary, you know, sort of approach behind it. And then the other ones are just fun, interesting topics that right. I like to discuss that, that happen to, you know, be relative to the industry. But I was going through my numbers back in December to just look at the first full year of you know, being truly independent. And the most popular episodes on YouTube are vastly different than the most popular episodes on the podcast. And so right. the the stats that you can gather, because I, I get asked this from, from people who want to sponsor the show, like, well, what are your demographics? You know, what kind of audience do you have? Are they male or are they female? Or, you know, what kind of roles do they have? And the truth is, is that we don't really know because podcasting stats just aren't that uh, developed yet where you can really dive into that. And they probably never will be because of the privacy regulations that exist mostly around the world, but are starting to creep in into the United States. And so just being able to tell people how what a popular episode is, you have to be able to dig a little bit deeper to even find out if those numbers are even accurate. There's a lot of gaming of the system. There's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's lots of shady ways that, you know, for a lot of like the top 10 podcasts or the, you know, the, the top 100 episodes on any given chart, 
a lot of those are gamified by some of the bigger players in the podcasting space through like cheap mobile games where if you click on an ad, that counts as a podcast download. Um, you know, different shady things like that that go on that inflate the numbers and don't give us a true baseline of what success looks like in podcasting. The only real way I think that you can judge that is are you getting comments and engagement directly to you from your audience about a particular episode? Are they filling out forms on your website? Are they booking, you know, calls? That's the that's the only real way that that I judge if a podcast episode is resonating yeah. with someone. Well, and I think too, like testing is really important, right? Mm -hmm. Testing different things. Like I have the blended podcast. I put it under Let's Talk Supply Chain, but it's now I'm going to take it out. It's kind of an HR podcast, doesn't need to be under supply chain. So we're going to be moving it over to the blended pledge. Mm -hmm. But I was sort of testing that out, right? You know, how does the audience think about different topics um, being presented on the podcast, different episodes? What does that look like? Some people are going to resonate with it. Some of it's going to resonate. Some of it's not. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about testing and sort of figuring out what the audience really wants to hear about or the format, right? Even testing the format and different things like that. So uh, that's the only thing I would throw yeah, in. Cosine. Oh, those are great, great points. Um, welcome on, uh, Samantha. If you want to just uh, maybe give the audience a you know, two-minute uh, you know, background about yourself, how you got into logistics, and uh, you know, uh, what you're doing now. Sure. Thanks for having me on and letting me jump in late. I'm honored to be here with these ladies. I have been in logistics now for just a little over five years. I started originally in sales. Um, I did account management, outside sales, pre-pandemic. So I'm always amazed at how quickly our industry progressed once we got technology um, <laughs> in a very short order when we went to working remote. And um, I really think that that's when sales started actually making more sense to me, um, when when people started taking a lot more intentional approaches from trying to figure out how to be more intentional with their time from behind a computer. And so I did um, corporate sales, worked my way up in a large organization, and then went to a startup, um, did sales as a vice president of revenue um, in a startup company doing LTL managed transportation, then had the opportunity to help build uh, their sister company, which was a full truckload brokerage, um, scale that organization over the course of about a year and led sales efforts there, connected with shippers, um, and then opened my own consulting company. And so now I, I get to work with other brokers and carriers and even trailer companies now and tech companies. Um, and I help them with their branding and their sales efforts. Um, not a marketer, not don't pretend to be. I enjoy branding in the sense of like podcasting newsletters and the LinkedIn space specifically and how that can directly contribute to top line revenue growth for organizations. So I did start a podcast about a, um, it's a little over a year ago, which is very crazy to me because it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Um, and I've just been learning and having fun with it and figuring it out as I go. Well, very cool. You'll probably find we were just talking about Manifest earlier and how many picking guests for podcasts and how many you know, people at Manifest all wanted to be you know on the on the show. And I remember I think I saw you doing live you know podcasting from Manifest and you know how difficult that was because every tech company you know, wanted to you know find the media and just picking guests when you're doing it. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would definitely say that to anyone. Um, I was I was. There's a lot of PR companies, right, that we're reaching out to try to schedule people to be on shows. But um, I think that that's one of the fun things as a as podcast producers is that I was I was looking at who was going and I was headhunting down people that I wanted to have on the show. And so I think that it pays to be present right in the space. And because we're all I'm sure these ladies agree, we're looking for people who can add value to our networks as well. And so we were kind of out there maybe had hunting people that we wanted to have on our shows mm -hmm. to help um, add value to our networks. And so I think I recorded like 10 different short segments there um, and a couple full length episodes. So it was a busy show. Uh, oh, it, it, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of great content put out. From I mean, we, we went into the podcasting thing for about half the show. Um, can we touch if everybody's cool with it on the, uh, you know, maybe the struggles of being a woman in logistics. Um, just prior to this, about a half hour ago, I asked my boss, who's a woman, like, you know, do you feel like being a woman is a struggle in this industry as, you know, the owner of a, a carrier or manager of a carrier? And she told me, yeah, absolutely. You know, like um, she told me, think about it as like when a woman goes to a mechanic, how they try to, you know, treat a woman <laughs> at a mechanic shop for a car. And she told me she kind of felt that type of, uh, that type of things, you know, being in this industry. How, how do you guys view it? Oh, where, to, where to start? Who to start? <laughs> uh, I, 
I will say, um, when I first started, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this on this panel. Uh, when I first started, it, I was new to the industry and also working with all men growing a startup. And that's, uh, you know, you kind of quickly learn. I, I, I saw an interview recently. It's like, we, I feel like women in this industry and women in all, all types of male dominated industries, you learn how to, their language very quickly, right? And you learn how to kind of, uh, deal with maybe the, I want to say emotions that men bring to the table, right? Men always don't bring emotions to work, but, you know, aggression and anger and uh, frustration are all, are in my head equivalent to uh, tears and any other type of emotion that I think are maybe more focused on women. So that being said, I always feel like, uh, most women in, in business, we we learn the language of men, but we don't, for some reason, get that respect back where men learn the language of women, right? And where, like, the the empathy that we might give to a situation, it, it doesn't mean that we don't agree with, with maybe what you're saying, but we're trying to showcase both sides or looking at something from a different angle. And, and just kind of learning a little bit more of that, because I worked through college, too, but most of my, my work experience before that was very, like... I don't want to say team oriented, but you know, it, there's a difference between growing a business and, and scaling a business and just being there to make sure that the, the, uh, the operations work as they should. And, and so there's a lot of emotion that comes with that. There's a lot of frustration, late nights, hard meetings, hard decisions that, that have to be made. And I think it's kind of that Mars and Venus things where, you can quickly butt heads if you can't find empathy in both sides of communication. So I think that's something that women have over hundreds and, and maybe millions of years. I don't know when the first a human uh, species, whatever came out, but I think over time, it's something just women have naturally learned. And I'm seeing now men starting to get it, even like my little brother and kind of the conversations he tells me about work where I'm like, boy, am I proud that me and my sister pounded these things into your head. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's that empathy of, of trying to understand where the other's coming from in any conversation, whether it's male, female, whether it's uh, d different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. So I think if there's anything I could ask of men is to be a little bit more empathetic and to listen and to kind of hear women out a little bit more than just um, assume the worst out of maybe uh, a, a different opinion. Yeah, I think for I just talked to somebody about this as well, who is a CEO of a business in the supply chain. And, you know, I feel like when women come in and we're softer, we're kind, we're a little bit more quiet, we're not taken seriously, right? Like I have been asked, um, somebody assumed that I was like a receptionist and I was like, no, this is my job. <laughs> How can I help yeah. you? Um, and that that kind of sucked a little bit. But then when we, when we are aggressive, and I wouldn't even say aggressive, when I'm authoritative, when I'm confident, when I'm self-assured in what I'm doing, sometimes it, it can be labeled as being, you know, a witch with a capital B. And, and there's a, a balance where it's like, I'm not really sure what you expect from us. <laughs> I can match your energy level and be labeled, or I can not match your energy label level and be labeled in a different way. And so I think it's, it's learning those, you know, like Grace said, those communication styles, but also allowing space for different types of personalities to exist because there are women who are absolute sharks in the business world. And that's amazing. The quiet person in the corner is just as serious about her job. She is just as smart as the person sitting beside her. And I think we need to give credit to that. So, you know, they, I'd say, especially as you climb into like leadership positions, not being afraid to use your voice and then to stand firm and not fold. Um, not being afraid to say, why don't we have this conversation separately? You know, I, I truly believe what I'm saying is correct. Um, and then, you know, on women, it is also remembering like this might be the first time that the person we're talking to 
as a, a man in a leadership role has had this new dynamic. It is new for them too, oftentimes, not all the time. Um, and so I think giving some grace and having some patience um, on that learning curve is, is our responsibility as well. And I think that that is actually felt and received when we do it. So I, I've seen success specifically in asking for empathy, but also showing it at the same time without like bending, you know, who I am, <laughs> because I do tend to be a little bit more like speak your mind kind of gal <laughs> in the boardroom. So um, I, I've seen some success as I've kind of stepped into a senior leadership role at a brokerage. I would just, I mean, I think these two ladies put some things out here that um, resonated with me and that the best way I could describe this after stepping out of corporate America, right? Because now I, I, I'm my own boss. And so if I have a problem with the boss, I take it up with her directly. And we, you know, I explain this as I don't have to carry as big of an emotional load anymore in, in the sense that it's kind of exhausting to do what these ladies articulated, where whether we realize it or not, typically a woman is thinking, how is what I'm saying going to be perceived? How is how I'm carrying myself going to be um, perceived in this room? When, I, when I'm communicating with these men and other women, uh, how am I articulating myself? How do they want to be spoken to? Am I? We adjust how we interact. We're usually pretty perceptive, right? Emotionally intelligent in the sense that we try to adapt. Um, not necessarily because people say, well, you shouldn't have to do that. But at the end of the day, it will be easier for us to accomplish what we want to get accomplished if we can carry that emotional intelligence and that perception with us and adjust accordingly. And I've been a seller, too. So that's also true in sales. Uh, we work with a lot of different personalities with buyers, and you try to match that style to more effectively communicate with them. So what I think when Grace said that maybe a little reciprocity there from the other side too, and how can I more adjust to better communicate with the women on my team or make, you know, with the women in, in my company, am I paying attention to how the way I behave makes them feel? Um, that would go a long ways. But really what I would say is I, in every role so far in my career, I have experienced very blatant sexism. At, I've been told to tone it down. I've been told to speak when spoken to. And you have those instances where it's it's shocking that it just happened in front of other people, especially. But then really, it's just more the covert. Like, if you guys were at Manifest and you went to the women's luncheon, my favorite part of that whole luncheon happened in like the first 10 minutes when Courtney talked about like this very subtle, covert, like little chips and little digs that we endure every day that get exhausting to a point. And it does build up. And, and so by the time I stepped out of that space, I felt like that emotional release of like, I don't have to carry that anymore, interacting with people every day that I have to um, work around them and their personalities and their styles and their, honestly, sometimes their egos or their needs to make sure that I'm able to get my job done and do it well, while catering to them at the same time. That's just an emotional tool I think a lot of women in this, in this space and all of corporate America probably carry on a daily basis. Did you guys see more women at Manifest than in you know years past or conferences? Are you guys starting to see more uh, more women show up? So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here because I think I've been in the industry for a very long time, and I remember going to a conference and being like one of maybe two women in the whole entire conference, and that was that was intimidating. So to go to Manifest and see because representation really matters. And I want to say kudos to everybody on this particular show because we are pushing through some of those challenges, some of those struggles, some of the things that people have said to us. You know, I've been in my career, I've been told, you know, you're going to have children and not think about a career, right? Like that's kind of how I've grown up in this industry. And like I said, there was only three people at some of the conferences that I used to go to when I was in sales. And that was back in, I think, 20 or 2008, maybe till about 2015 or so. And then I was, I was in sales in a senior role. But now going to manifest and being able to have a woman's lunch like Samantha was talking about and have all of those people and all of those women in one particular area supporting women in the industry is 
really great to see. Although I will say that we do have a lot of work still to do. It's amazing to see the work that we're currently doing and how the community is coming together to support women in the industry. Um, we also did a blended episode on what men have to think about versus women. I would encourage everybody to go and listen to that because it was very eye-opening. <laughs> yes. I, I think I, just to, to add a little bit of a, a different spin on it, it's, it's not necessarily what other people are saying to me. It's how my internal voice of what I say to myself and this sort of the, the barriers that hold me back is just that internal self-taught, you know, or, or self-speaking. And so for an example, you know, Courtney, at, at last year's manifest, she had mentioned that the overwhelming majority of women, if they see a job posting or a job listing, if they don't meet 100% of the requirements for that job, they won't apply. Versus a man, if they see and they get about 50% of those requirements, they will apply. And so thinking about it from that lens of what other ways am I internally holding myself back from things that I could be doing just simply because of the way that I, I speak to myself. And so I think that having that internal confidence uh, means the world because if somebody external is going to be, I, I don't know if I can talk, but you know, if, if somebody external is going to be talking shit, then it's one of those things where I can, I can talk that shit back. And so I think for in my situation and being in, you know, sort of the 3PL sort of freight broker bro world for so long, like I know how to talk that shit back. And I think that I, I know not a lot of women are in that same boat, um, but I would say don't be your own worst enemy. Be careful about how you speak to yourself because that's in, then going to be replicated in the conversations you have with other people. And so just, you know, prioritizing that. And one thing I just want to add to that, too, is we always hear about imposter syndrome, but we hear about imposter syndrome correlated to women. It's a human thing. It happens with men and it happens with women. And we've got to stop correlating some of these things to just women. So I just wanted to throw that out there because, Blythe, you're exactly right. You know, everything that we have been challenged on and gone through you know, really translates into how we treat ourselves and how we speak to ourselves and what opportunities we take, what opportunities we don't. And sometimes that imposter syndrome does creep up and we have to battle it. But I also don't like the fact that it's correlated to women and that it's a human thing, not just a, a woman thing. Yeah, I've, I've started switching that narrative um, with where, you know, where I'm at, like in the brokerage space, that was a lot of new information for me to learn from where I come from, because the, the media and events side that I did for two years before I got here, very different, totally different audience, different commodities that I'm working with, um, different services. And so doing that and then immediately being escalated into a senior leadership role, which was also very new for me. Um, I started patting myself on the back for the days that I took a risk. And if that was speaking my mind, I took a risk today because while I, I'll say like I am bolder at, at work, that is me confronting some parts of myself that I feel like I'm sometimes scared to show. Me outside of work, I'm not as, as like bold, as loud as, you know, I, I usually am the quiet one in the corner that likes to sit and observe. Um, and so instead of feeling like an imposter, whenever I make up my mind and I have a decision and I'm firm on what that's going to be, and I've got a direction that I'm going to go in, I say, that was a risky, bold move. We should be proud of that. And, and it's really changed how I've approached my job. And it's a, a very much changed how I've approached the relationships with other leaders, not only here, but when I'm having conversations with others outside of my organization. I think how you treat yourself outside of work directly translates to how you're going to carry yourself also in work. And, and I try to be more aware of that. I think um, for any working moms, like we naturally, you can, you can dominate your workplace and you're probably, if you had to say, what am I insecure about the most? It's probably parenting your children. Mm -hmm. um, and the things you say to yourself can get pretty ugly pretty quickly. And, you know, I, I forgot to take my son's, um, nap. He's in preschool guys. They have it easy. His nap stuff with him to school the other day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot his stuff. I'm going to have to. And the first thing I said to myself was you are like, you are so dumb. Like you were such a failure today. Like, can you get it right? 
And I was like, wow. Like I I stopped myself because I heard what I, I said that to myself. Like, would you speak to someone else like that because they forgot to take the nap stuff with their kid? But the weight that we put on ourselves and the things we say to ourselves, we have to double check that. And, and we have to put it into perspective and be fair with ourselves. And, and I think we um, tend to be our own worst critic, right? And especially maybe women who you see who are pretty outspoken, pretty tenacious, pretty much go-getters, they're probably pretty competitive, pretty aggressive people. And sometimes I can kind of turn around and and it's, you can attack yourself because you're so mm -hmm. focused on doing things mm -hmm. right and progress and success that when you feel like you're failing, right, then, then you tend to take that out too much on yourselves. Um, and that can be in business and that can be in your personal life, but it's all going to kind of come together on how you carry yourself and and how you speak to yourself and how that allows you to perform in your career and at home. And I, I just to kind of like wrap that, I think for men out there watching, like hear these stories and understand, like you can help com combat that. I mean, when I left my last job and started consulting and coming to, to uh, freight waves, uh, I pulled me out of a hole was my good friend Ryan Schreiber uh like he was talking to me every day and letting me know like if you think what you just did was like the last great thing you'll ever do then uh you're not you know you're you need to know how much greater you are and I think mm. like I had girlfriends who of course they told me that but to hear that from someone who I respected honestly even the, a different sex as well I mean like to take it to like my daddy issues or not like my dad's my best friend so you know i'm always looking for that kind of like same in my male friends as well where it's like you have my back i have yours and so just realize that like if you guys see uh you know maybe a, a woman that you work with her project didn't work out or something didn't or she didn't go for a promotion like you need just put your hand out and say, no, this is something I think you should do or something that you should apply for that. This is just a hiccup, like, and remind us because we are, again, this is all subconscious stuff that we've been doing for hundreds of years. Like we're not going to get over it tomorrow. And I think that's sometimes the rhetoric is like, well, there's equality is like getting there. It's like, yeah, sure it is. But it's also followed by hundreds of years of us, I mean, we weren't even able to go shopping by ourselves until like the early 1900s. So it's like we're talking hundreds of years of, of being told what to do every moment of our lives. And then to get over that in, in a couple of decades is, is, is insane. We haven't been able to have credit cards since like the 70s, right? Like we're open our own credit, like banking accounts, like financial advice, share that stuff. Like, and, and so, yeah, I just want men to realize like a lot of this is going to take, yeah, like hard work on your end to to help us understand that times are changing and that's like that backup of like, you are better than what you probably think you are and that you deserve what's to come right down, down the line as well. Shout yeah. out Ryan Shriver. That's yeah. he's, he's giving me a, a no, hashtag ally. Yeah. Hashtag ally. In that guy, Great friends. Sure. Great friends. <laughs> and hello cat dad. Yeah. Logistics <laughs> and transportation. It's just such an old, I mean, it's an ancient industry. Yeah. The trade has industry. been around since the beginning of time. It's an ancient industry. It's true. There is there is old there are old practices, there are old thought processes, there are old technologies, you know, and I, I think women in leadership, women stepping up and contributing to the conversation in different spaces is part of the evolution that we are starting to see. And I think it's important that others like not be afraid of it, but embrace it and say, this is just another evolution of the industry. And it's one that's here to stay. And I think along with that too, I, I was just thinking as you guys were talking about evolution and things changing is that um, with how much things have changed recently, there was a lot of, a lot of younger people have entered our space. So we can, we can also talk about women, but we can also talk about age being, being a hindrance to, um, certain titles or certain positions, or I've seen it in our industry by a couple, uh, actually a CEO of a company in our space saying, I would never pay someone who's under the age of 35 more than this. Um, I couldn't believe that was on LinkedIn. I left a very spicy comment, um, but it happens. And and that's that wasn't even directed towards women, right? But then you, you take gender or race and age 
And I think that what I have personally observed is that there are some wildly impressive people in their 20s and 30s right now in this industry that are contributing in ways that someone else might never contribute in a 25-year, 30-year career in this space. And they're already doing it, right? And just a, a few years in or, or whatever that is. So I think that's also something to keep in mind is that as our industry rapidly progresses, you have a lot of really ambitious people coming in. Um, maybe they're even, I was right out of college when I came into this space, you know, and, and I was just didn't really know much about it, learned as fast as I could and just was hungry to grow and add value. And you get pushback for that because there's a lack of experience there. But to Whitney's point, with how much our industry has progressed, it really, in so many ways, does not look like it did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so the 20 years of experience is great. I don't ever want to discredit someone. Like I don't want to flip this around and start hating on people who have the experience, right? Because that's, that's still good and that's still valid. But we don't have to compare someone's five or 10 years now with someone with 25 and say one is better than the other. If this person is really aggressive and ambitious and in, in adding value to the space that they're in. Um, so I think that's a big part of it too. And I do think that maybe be aware if you have young females on your team, that what they're also going through as they're seeking opportunities to progress and to learn and to grow, um, to network, uh, to be in certain spaces, certain rooms. And so just invest in those people. Um, and if you're a woman too, invest in those women that are coming in. And if you're on those teams or if you're in a leadership role, or even if you just want to have a peer. And then to Grace's point, I think naturally women, we tend to have friends, right? We tend to know that we're going <laughs> to, like, if my friend calls me and she's down and out, I'm not going to like, I'm going to give her encouragement. I'm going to give her support. And then we expect that from our female friends we don't really expect that to come from a male peer. And so it does go a long way when someone can can step up. And I've had men do that for me in the past and say, Samantha, this, you know, you're doing a great job at this, or I think the way you did this or you handled this was really well done. And also we hear negative things from men often too. So we might get harsher criticism from men or from leaders or, or just peers in the space. And so to hear someone be willing to step up and kind of counter that, um, it does go a really long way. And I think at the end of the day, the last thing that I would add to this is that I've always said, I don't want to be elevated or treated better than any man in this space. We just want to be treated fairly and the same. And that just means everybody treats everybody the same. That is equality, right? It's just, we don't need to be special or to be better than anyone else. We just want to be able to work because we love it and we enjoy it and contribute and feel like what we're contributing has a fair opportunity to be taken seriously and, and to be celebrated too. Are you guys, uh, oh, I, uh, those are all great points. Are, are you guys seeing more women, you know, messaging you guys on social media or, you know, at events and, you know, you know, seeing more of a rise in women on, you know, in leadership positions and, you know, just within the last, last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think social media is just shining a light on it because now you can see the folks that have those those job titles. I mean, it, before it was just just mm -hmm. felt like regular networking. But now, you know, because of platforms like LinkedIn, you can actually see um, that those women, you know, sort of come to the front of the room and, and sort of announce themselves. And so I think that that's that's one of the bigger shifts that I've seen. I think a recent stat that I read, and I can't remember where I read that, but it was only 23% of senior leaders, I think, are women, and 6% of that is women of color. Hmm. So if you think about those kind of stats, we do have a long way to go still from a quality standpoint. I think the manager level was about 40%. So I think the manager level is getting there, but I think we do need to see more uh, representation at the top. Yeah, I was, uh, I definitely have seen more women at events in particular, I think, where, and this is a lot of the work that I'm trying to do more as well as more of minority women in this space, because there are some incredible business leaders. Uh, that's one of my favorite events to go to is Matt's, because that's where I get to meet a lot of these like trucking leaders and, and those who are running multi-million dollar organizations that I unfortunately don't see at uh, some of the industry, most of the industry events that we go to. And again, I think that goes back to 
what I was saying, men, you need to hold out. We as women need to hold out our hands more to those women and let them know like your stories are incredible, especially some of the backgrounds and the uh, unfortunate, you know, uh, places that privileges that a lot of us women sitting here right now have compared to those and, and what they've been able to do is just absolutely outstanding. And those are the stories that I really try to work into uh, the work that I do, the interviews I do on the radio a lot more than hmm. uh, these last couple of years in particular. Black history month, right? Shout out to. Yeah. You got Black a good history series month. going on. Yeah. I also, uh, Lorianne Roku, who uh, writes, is on CNBC. Actually, I'm going to put a story out about this probably next week to wrap up the month. Uh, she writes for Freight Waves as well. You've probably seen a few of her articles uh, here and there in American Shipper. She just released a wonderful book where she actually, her and her daughter, um, went to uh, a number uh, like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson's houses and, and saw uh, and were really moved by the stories of, of the slave families from those plantations. And so she and her daughter just put out a book uh, two weeks ago. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon. Um, I'll get the title shared in the comments uh, where they follow the histories of five four or five black families. And one is the oldest like black uh, family in America. And so every dollar that she gets from those books goes to scholarships for uh, minorities uh, to pay for all their college books. Um, so it's all going back to, to good sources too. So shout, shout out to that. I'll share that in the links as well. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, it's been a great conversation. I mean, is there any lasting, uh, I know a lot of you have uh appointments at 12. So I don't want to keep you guys. Is there any lasting, uh, we've really enjoyed having you on. Is there any lasting thoughts? Any of you guys, uh, you want to put out there? I would, I would just say that I think any, I speak for all of us probably, but any single one of us on this call would, would love for women to reach out to us. If, if you have questions, if you want to ask about our experiences, our careers, um, being a mom, being a sister, like being an aunt, I don't know. Like if you just want to, to talk to someone about it or especially maybe if I love speaking to younger women coming out of college, trying to figure out what they're doing, their careers, um, what they want to do, women who are going through very pivotal times in their life, like having a family or, you know, um, adopting or anything like that. And just the dynamics of your life change, right? And, and things change all the time. And it's important to seek out women who can um, encourage you or give advice or support you through that. And so, um, I've, uh, never said no to a one-on-one -on -one coffee chat with, with a woman who's reached out. And I'm sure that all these women feel the same way. I would say, um, know what resources are out there. There's a lot of great resources. Um, I will talk about mine cause that's what I, what I know, but like, we've got a woman in supply chain series, get to know other women in the space, get to know their journey, get to understand their advice peer cohorts, right? There's peer cohorts, cohorts that are happening. We've got one that's just launched. And then the blended pledge, um, we give away grants to cover travel expenses so that diverse voices can say yes to speaking engagements. Because I go back to my comment before, representation matters. We're not seeing enough women, we're not seeing enough diversity on industry stages to really encourage people to come in the industry or give them an opportunity to speak on stage. And a lot of that is because travel is a barrier. And so there are different resources out there and maybe some of you can share some of the, th the good work that you're doing because I know you are all doing great work. Um, but I think there's a ton of resources out. And so tap into those and see what's out there. I would echo that too. As far as resources, you have a, a world's library in the palm of your hands. And if there isn't a seat at the table, then build your own table. And that that's where I come from. My philosophy is that if I'm not going to be in the C-suite, then I'm going to start my own business. If you're not going to have me on a radio show, I'm going to start my own podcast. And so it's never been a better time to be a business owner no, especially for women to have that kind of flexibility to be able to build the life that you want in addition to the career that you want that is built around this sort of lifestyle that that you are sometimes forced to to have whether it's be taking care of children or taking care of you know elderly parents you know there, there are lots of resources that are available all you have to do is put in the time and the work and you know personal accountability goes a long way in order to help make your dreams become the, those actualities. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'll go ahead. When you want to go. <laughs> okay. I I was gonna say um about to kind of circle back to Sarah's comment on the imposter syndrome for women out there who are not sure what to do next. Uh, every man is thinking the exact same thing. They just have somehow found a really great way of hiding it from all of us. You guys are sneaky. It's that confidence. So trust me, any, any doubt that you have, they are also having as well. I think my favorite thing about the first right ways that I ever went to, I was watching this guy speak and I was like, I could do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know that what he just said is I already knew and I could have delivered it as well. And so just be confident and know that if you know that you can do anything you want. I know that sounds so cliche, but I, once you figure out you can do anything you set your mind to, then the hard part is figuring out what that's going to be. So just, you know, know that as long as you put the work in, it'll get figured out whatever you lay out. Right. Uh, uh, big on faith, big on God. God will light that path for you. So just, just know the guys out here though, they, they're just as confused as the rest of us. So there's no problem. And, and being nervous or confused, just go at it. <laughs> I love that. I, something that I didn't believe until I chose to believe it um, is, you know, if you're a woman and a woman in the supply chain, in logistics in any, in any space, we want to hear your voice. You have one. We want to hear it. You know, and I, I hope that one person listening to this hears that and believes it. Um, that's why it took me two years to get my podcast off the ground because I, I was kind of afraid. But, you know, it, if you think that nobody wants to hear what you have to say, I am looking at a screen full of people who would say otherwise. I think, I think that's a great way to uh, what great way to yeah. just it. before we get out of here. I know you all have to go. Like I would love to bring each and every one of you back on like a one on one show. You know, time permitting at some point. I mean, one hour is just not enough to get individually to know all of you. And this is kind of my first experience directly with all of you. And I mean, just you know, you're all all amazing, unique people, and you have a lot to bring to to this industry. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for having us and putting it together. Thank you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks again thanks, for coming. Guys. It was a great show. An hour flew by. So thanks again, you guys, and have a uh, have a great weekend. Have a great yeah, weekend. Everybody Good to see you all. Weekend. <laughs> Bye. Well, man, that was that fun. Was, uh, our first soiree into a, a panel type of show. Yeah, uh, they brought up a lot of great uh, great points, and you know, it was nice just listening, um, you know, and hearing everything you know, they had to say and. Um, you know, that was fun part. We haven't had a panel before, and um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well, what a good panel to have too. <laughs> it's just awesome people, man. Podcasters and logistics women, and just a great guest and a great time. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week, um, and yeah, more information on on that. Obviously, we'll post on uh, on LinkedIn. And have a great week, Alex. Yeah. Happy happy birthday to you too, man. Hopefully oh, that's uh, not hidden information from anybody. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Take it easy, bro. All right.